Thank you, James, and good evening, everyone. One of life's uh, simple pleasures is, I'm sure you'd agree with me, is to complain about other people when they're not here to defend themselves. Have a jolly good old moan about twits, idiots, and people like that. So I want to indulge, I want us together to indulge that simple pleasure uh, this evening. I'd like to invite you to think about your entire circle of friends and acquaintances, perhaps colleagues that you work with, bosses that you work for, fellow class members at school or college or university, neighbours, members of the same club or association that you are, perhaps even members of your own family, perhaps especially members of your own family. Certainly not anybody else sitting here uh, this evening, because we're not like that, but anybody else in your wider circle of acquaintances, of any of those kinds, think about all the twits there are, and I'm sure we'll not be short of an example or two or a five or twenty of really idiotic men, women, boys and girls. I don't think it's hard at all. The interesting thing is that these people never learn because idiocy of various kinds has been going on for thousands of years and I reckon that each form of modern idiocy is already described in the book of Proverbs. So let's have a look at some of the forms of tomfoolery that we find in the book of Proverbs um, and uh, we'll uh, see if we can't think, uh, we won't be so unkind as to name them, but we'll think if, uh, if we can think of some examples of, um, uh, of modern e- e- equivalents. Now, I see some of you already staring at your Bibles because the usual routine is, please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 9, Nessie, and, uh, and we'll start to open up that, uh, that passage. Well, we're going to range through the book of Proverbs. We'll come back to chapter 9 sooner or later, but please bear with me and be patient about that. First form of foolery, first form of idiocy that we find both then and now is the garrulous. Now, I don't know if that word is in your vocabulary. It's a wonderful word. It, doesn't, it means talkative, but it's more than talkative. It's a person who doesn't stop talking, but when they talk, they're talking nonsense. At least, nonsense to you. Interesting to them, nonsense to you. Um, and there's plenty of talkative people like that around. You'd agree, wouldn't you? You know people like that, and so do I too. They are just motor mouths. They just talk and talk and talk. They have forgotten that God has given each of us two ears and only one mouth. Hint, hint, listen twice as much as you talk, but they haven't realized that or they've forgotten that. They just talk, talk, talk. Sarah, my wife, and I had an interesting evening learning all about a couple uh, over a pleasant meal. And when I say we learned all about them, I'm serious because we learned all about them, because they taught at us, did they not? Um, for, um, you know, you get to the stage when you're being talked at about family and pets and interests and likes and dislikes. After an hour and a half, you're beginning to think that they'll, come, they'll reach the point where they'll say to you, well, that's enough about us. What about you? It never happened. It never happened. 
garrulous, that's the word for it. The mouth of the fool gushes folly, says Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 2. Over-talkativeness, talking drivel, talking trivia, talking uh, nonsense, garrulousness, one form of foolery. Here's a second form of foolery, recklessness, the reckless fool. There's all kinds of recklessness, isn't there? There's um, the reckless driver. Oh, don't, make me st- don't let me start on that. I mean, the, one, the driver wants to go faster or slower than you, just getting in your way. Uh, the driver who won't uh, signal properly off roundabouts. The, the driver who won't uh, stop for you when you want to turn a right, uh, a right turn. All forms of reckless driving. There's reckless spending, made so much easier by uh, the internet, where just that quick press of button, yes, I bought it, done, and delivered next day. If you, if, if you order by 10 o'clock tonight, deliver next day. Um, there's reckless relation, uh, recklessness in relationships. Uh, men and women, shall we say particularly young men and women who want to enter into a relationship and have some of the benefits of relationship without the, uh, the intimacy of the relationship without the commitment. And that seems like recklessness too. All kinds of forms of recklessness. And uh, Proverbs calls that person a fool as well. Uh, a fool is hot-headed and reckless, uh, implying, too, that there's a form of foolery which is simply bad-tempered. Some people are dangerous to be around, aren't they? Because they're simply too, too, too touchy um, uh, in, the, in the oversensitive sense. You're afraid of saying anything or doing anything because they simply blow up in front of your face. That's another form of recklessness or, um, or impulsiveness. So that's our second form of fool. Third form of fool is the gullible the person who will believe anything. And again, in today's internet age, where it's so easy to Google something or get something passed on as some kind of virus or meme uh, around the social media for all kinds of rumors to, uh, to, 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 to have, a, have a footing. Long ago, it was said that um, a rumor will find its way halfway around the world while the truth is still tying up its bootlaces. And it's even more true today, isn't it? That rumours and uh, half-truths and untruths and urban myths can just go around like, uh, like viruses. Um, and, um, and the trouble is that with the people, with anybody, a fool who believes anything because they're gullible, will also at the same time, conversely, end up believing nothing. They believe so much. They're believing nothing um, uh, in any deep or lasting or meaningful sense. So, for example, good old Professor Dawkins, the renowned atheist, equates the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ with the, not really very much evidence, that Elvis is still alive, and, say, and puts them both in, in, in the same category. So in believing anything, he's believing nothing. Foolish. A simple man, says Proverbs, believes anything. Um, watch out, by the way, and this is the, the kind of teacher speaking now, watch out for the sample of one. The person who knows that the research has been saying for 60 years that smoking is dangerous for you, but they have an uncle 
whose friend had a brother who smoked 40 a day and lived until he was 95. So that proves to you, doesn't it, that smoking isn't bad for you. Think about the sample of one. It crops up all the time. It's a very foolish way of thinking. What we have number four. The troublemaker. The fool as a troublemaker. The fool who makes fun of everything and everybody. I love that. Um, I mean, it, it just so comes home to the truth, doesn't it? The person who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Haven't you heard somebody? I mean, children will do this. I was, can't you take a joke? They say something cruel or hurtful. And then when you react to that and say, that hurt me, you can't take a joke. You're oversensitive. People do that. Children do that to each other. It can be very unkind and be very, very hurtful. Um, Can't you take a joke uh, sort of thing. Um, And more seriously, adults can spend their lives just playing games with their friends and their colleagues, making trouble, stirring up trouble. Gossiping is a good way of doing that. Being two-faced, being prepared to say something to that person, but saying something completely different to your friend about that person. Be very careful. It's very foolish. Don't do it. (laughs) Number five. There are fools who are fools because they are always right, brackets, in their own opinions. A fool delights in airing his own opinions, says Proverbs 18 and verse 2. You know people like that, don't you? And I do too. They are always right. They've got an opinion on everything. They sit in every pub in the land. They sometimes attend churches too, but not this church, of course. Um, And they know everything. They're never wrong. I worked with somebody for... A lot for a long, long time, waiting for... And she was quite, quite a capable person, but nobody's perfect, are they? And I was waiting for her to ever admit that she had may, ever made a mistake. Do you know how long I waited? 20 years. 20 years, I knew this person well, and finally she said, I got that wrong. And of course, the person who's always right never needs to apologise do they? If you don't get anything wrong, you don't have to apologize. So when this person seems to apologize, it's a false apology. In the playground at school, it's sorry sort of apology, not an apology at all. For grown-ups, we have various kinds of false apologies. We have what I'd call the celebrity apology, where there's lots of tears and so on, but you, you suspect that what the celebrity who is apologize, what they're apologizing for is not for what they did, but the fact they got found out. The celebrity apology. Uh, uh, apology. Or there's what I call the politician's apology. They can be started on that one, except to say the politician's apology in my book is the apology which says, the, the false apology which says, I didn't do anything wrong, but if anybody's offended by it, I'm sorry. Best apology in the world that I've ever suffered from is when, Sarah knows what I'm going to say, (laughs) is when we bought a rather expensive item and we went and we paid for it. And before I paid for it, I said, I think there's something missing. 
And he checked up, the salesman checked up and said, no, there's nothing missing. So we took it home, I looked it up, and, I, and, and we agreed there was something missing. So I contacted them and said, there's something missing. We paid a lot of money for this, and there's something missing. And the sales manager, part of his, because he wouldn't give way, part of his um, riposte to me was, apologies if you didn't check it properly. <laughs> oh, that made me roar, that did. <laughs> Always right. Sixthly, the fool, or there's the kind of fool who is unteachable. You can't teach him or her anything because they know it all already. They've already got their opinions, or we've formed their opinions. Um, in many teenagers' minds, their parents are unteachable. Um, uh, at an age, uh, the teenager age of 15, to the teenager age of 15, their parents know nothing. It's amazing how much their parents will learn by the time the teenager is 25. A huge amount. But at the age of 15, your parents know nothing. But uh, there are plenty of other people of different ages too who are unteachable. You can't teach them anything. It's not that they lack knowledge. They have information, but they don't know what to do with it. That's the problem. And so, therefore, they're unteachable. Um, there is the worker that you have worked with, if you're out to work, or ever been out to work, the worker who says, now, look here, I've got 20 years of experience in this place. But your reply, at least you, what you think is, no, you don't have 20 years of experience. You've got one year of experience repeated 20 times. You're actually not learning. You've never learned after your first year at work. It's very foolish, the unteachable person. There's plenty of them around. And seventhly, there are fools, many fools, who are self-deceived. They simply do not understand. They simply do not have insight into their own thinking and feeling and actions. Now, I'm just going to check my clock to see how I'm doing on here, because you're wondering why I've got Sam, the American Eagle, on there, and I was hesitating about, A, whether I had the time, or B, I had the inclination to tell you what Sam, the American Eagle, is doing there. What do you think? Think so? Shall we go for it? <laughs> All right, then. <coughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure about this. Sam, the American Eagle, from the Muppet Show, uh, for, by the way, if you lack that sort of culture. Um, is uh, always uh, takes the moral high ground. And he has a little monologue uh, where he says something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to speak to you about nudity in the world today. He says, I think it's absolutely appalling. Did you know, he said, that underneath their clothing, everybody in the world is naked? And it's not just people, and that's bad enough. Animals, even little furry dogs and pussycats, underneath their fur, completely naked. And it's not even the, just the quadrupeds. Birds, too. Underneath their feathers, they are absolutely, completely Would somebody lend me a dressing gown? (laughs) 
Sam took a while to realize that he was amongst the people that he was trying to criticize. Are you with me? <laughs> Thank you. Wise, the fool, is wise in his own eyes. Elsewhere, it says in Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man, but actually it leads to death. Seven, we could have given more, uh, but I've spared you from more. Seven categories or types or facets of the fool in Proverbs. And I think we've reached the point where we need to say, yeah, we can see this in other people. Easy. Their foolishness. What about if we, you and I, look in the mirror, like Sam in the end (laughs) didn't want to? Look in the mirror. What do we see? Do we not see in ourselves an inclination, a bias, a propensity to some or all of these kinds of foolishness, or other kinds too. Let's be honest with ourselves and be prepared to look in the mirror at ourselves on this subject of foolishness. So we come finally to our text for this evening. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 9. The beginning and the end of the chapter in particular, imagine a young man walking down the road, and on either side of the road is a house. There is the house on the one hand of what we'll call Lady Wisdom, verses 1 to 6. And she, her house is clearly well organized and well arranged, and she is offering good, solid, nutritious, sustaining food. It's a good house, it's well run. It would be a good place to to visit, a good place to live. On the other side of the road is the house of the woman we'll call Madame Folly. She is also inviting people into her home and she says exactly the same thing as Lady Wisdom, calling out to those who pass by, let all who are simple Come in here, she says to those who say, but then she says, stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. And I think we know what she's offering, don't you? We're not just talking about food, a meal here. We're talking about a lifestyle that lacks wisdom, a lifestyle that is going to be foolishness. Little do they know that the dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. There's an old song about that in the 1960s, The House of the Rising Sun, I think is something like that. (laughs) Chapter 9 of Proverbs gives us a stark choice. Which house are you going to make your home in? Which house are you going to visit? The house of Lady Wisdom or the house of Madame Folly. It's one or the other. Here's another two houses that you may recall from the New Testament, from Matthew's Gospel, the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, where Jesus talks about two gates, two paths, two houses. 
In other words, two ways to live. And he says, the foolish man, the, the wise man builds his house on a rock. The foolish man builds his house on the sand. Both houses will look pretty much the same at first. Both houses will be exposed to the elements, to the storms, the lashing of the wind and the raging of the wind, uh, the, the, the lashing of the rain and the, and the raging of the wind. But one will stand firm and the other won't. Now, what is it that makes the difference between these two houses? Jesus is commending us, urging us to build our house on the rock by hearing and doing what he calls these words of mine. The book of Proverbs points us towards a higher wisdom, a greater, a deeper wisdom. The wisdom of Jesus. Jesus taught wisdom. There's a lot in the Sermon on the Mount itself, which is very much like what we read in the Proverbs. Jesus taught wisdom. So did his brother, James, in his little epistle. Jesus models wisdom. The first thing that we read about Jesus as a young, as a, as a boy, is that he grew in wisdom. Everything that he said and did was wise. He models wisdom for us. Jesus is wisdom. He is God, the word, the logos, the reason, the wisdom of God, as we're taught in at the beginning of John's gospel, uh, chapter one. And Jesus commends wisdom. He says, be wise as serpents, although as innocent as doves. We're invited then to eschew the way of folly and once again embrace the way of wisdom by heeding the humor, the advice, the encouragements, and the warnings of Proverbs, and coming to Jesus, who is our wisdom. He has made for us the wisdom of God, as well as the righteousness of God. He said and he did what is wise, so that we might follow in his footsteps. Have you, will you follow that way of, of wisdom? Are you at the moment building your house on sand? <laughs> and it will not last, however attractive it seems at the moment. Or have you chosen the way of Jesus and build on his words and his deeds and his, uh, his accomplishments and so walk his way, the way of discipleship? Jesus points, uh, Proverbs points us to wisdom and then teaches us how to live in wisdom by showing that even as Christians, as believers, yeah, we still have this tendency to say and think and do foolish things. But we'll come back to Jesus in confession for all our faults and we'll find again and again forgiveness and new life in him. Let's have a word of prayer and then after that we're going to make uh, say a, a prayer of confession together, as I think is appropriate at this point in our time together. A word of prayer. Let each of us reflect on how willing we are to do what we've done this evening, which is point the finger at the foolishness of others, 
and neglected to ask, Lord, am I that man? Am I that woman? Am I that boy? Am I that girl? That you wish to give a change of heart to, a change of mind and a change of heart, a change of direction. Lord, I want to follow the way of wisdom. I want to follow the way of Jesus. I want to build on a rock. Show me my foolishness in failing to believe, in failing to live for you. Show me all that you have done for me in Jesus and point me in to live in the way everlasting. Amen.